Today on the podcast, we are joined by the Vine's very own Miss Naomi Ledgerwood. And we are excited to discuss together the topic of singleness. And uh, Naomi has been someone who has helped me and others think about singleness uh, to the glory of God. Um, in, in, the, in the past years, uh, she's been a longtime member of the Vine. And uh, she has a lot to share, and um, I really look forward to this discussion as it's a an often neglected topic, um, and we neglect it to our detriment as a church and as Christians. And so, Naomi, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being willing to come and uh, share your thoughts with us on, on singleness. Cool. Glad to be here, Zach. Yeah. So um, maybe we can just start here. Like, tell us maybe a little bit about your journey um, with being single and um, how you have thought about that over the years, um, maybe just generally. I know that's a big question, but you can share whatever you want in reference to that. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. Um, for me, I sometimes think about singleness in in different phases, mostly because that's what happened for me is it did feel very different at different points in my life. Um, so obviously, you know, kind of right after college, that mid-20s, late 20s, as a single person felt very different than what I felt when I was in my thirties um, as a single person. And now as I'm in my forties, what that feels like. And I assume when I get to 50 and 60, it'll also feel very different. Um, but that's kind of where I am right now in the progression. Um, and I think for me, sometimes when people talk about singleness, it's pretty easy to sort of just think, oh yeah, all those young singles, right? It's always that group of 20. And, and you know, you have so many people that are single. They're all kind of in that marriageable age. They're definitely, you know, ready and able to start looking and um, be serious about marriage. Um, and so that was kind of one processing time where I was really processing, like, do I pursue certain people? Do I not pursue certain people? Um, you know, trying to get a lot of guidance and wisdom from those around me. I was in a few, um, probably fairly light relationships during that time period. Um, and so that was a very unique process, right? And then when I, as I got into my 30s, things really started to transition. I was starting to get too old to really hang out with the young college kids consistently at most of the ministries where I was. Um, but I cheated for a long time and I stuck around with them, um, hung out with them for a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but as I got older, it got more and more difficult, right? And somewhere in there, I started doing some online dating, which I found particularly challenging for me, um, mostly because of the work involved. I just hated the work, like yeah. having to log in after work and I already was on the computer all day. And then I had to like, you know, go through and pick things and message people. And I just, I basically got sick and tired of the work. Sure. Um, so I gave up on it. Um, and then heading into my forties, it's been, you know, a very different process up until probably my late thirties. I really, really, as the years went on, I probably struggled more and more with being single from like a biblical perspective and from kind of a resting in God's will for my life. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly that middle 30s and late 30s was was extremely difficult. Um, the options were really, you know, disappearing very quickly. And, um, you know, by that point, my heart had been broken several times. And I just was really, really wrestling with, you know, does God even love me? Right. And, and, um, 
And I think that became a real challenge for me. And I remember having a really hard conversation with my brother, Matt, and my brother, Matt is so wise. And I was on this call and I'm just crying and I'm arguing with him. I'm like, God doesn't love me, you know, and, and all this stuff. And Matt just said, you're not thinking biblically, right? You are just assuming that God is not teaching you how to trust him at this time in your life. And you're ultimately yeah. not trusting him that he has your good in mind. Right. Um, and that was a very specific turning point in my life because he just really spoke truth to me and pulled me up sharp. And from that point on, you know, I, I continued to wrestle, but I started in the back of my head to have these thoughts of like, no, I'm thinking incorrectly. How do I change? And the second um, changing point for me came probably probably a year and a half, two years after that point. I remember I was driving somewhere with some friends and we were talking about singleness. And I just remember verbalizing in the car. I said, if I'm going to be single, I want to be happy. Like I could, I was just getting to the point where I was so like depressed and sad. And I just knew that I was not um, healthy, you know, yeah. spiritually or yeah. physically. And so I just remember kind of saying that. And then I saw the Lord really start to change my life, my perspective and my circumstances. Um, and it really sort of helped me change. And I would say really for the last four or five years, um, I sometimes talk about singleness not being a trial for me anymore. Whereas five years ago, I probably would have said I had been in a trial for like 15 years of my life. Yeah. Um, so I think the Lord really has brought me through you know, in many ways, some some very deep trials and has used singleness to really push on my ability to trust him ultimately with his good for my life. Yeah. Are there certain scriptures that you have leaned on or or clung to um, yeah. to, to kind of yeah. reorient your, your thinking about yeah, this yeah. issue over the years? So many. <laughs> I mean, anyone who is is sad, right, goes to Psalms and reads Job. And I cannot tell you how many times I've, you know, read Job and just cried um, and read the Psalms and been fed. Um, my life first is in Psalm 73, where he says, whom have I in heaven but you? There is yeah. no one on earth I desire besides you, right? Yeah. My flesh and my heart are going to fail me, but Christ is, is the center of my life, right? And so that verse has really sort of been my North Star um, through all these years of being single. Um, that's been something I cling to. And then probably in my mid-30s, I was reading in Isaiah and <laughs> Here we go. Hermeneutically, I know this passage is for the Jewish people, the Jewish um, state, but I was reading a passage where the Lord was talking about the nation of Israel and he was talking about how they were barren, yeah. right? And they didn't have any children. And there was a promise in there. It was a particularly difficult weekend. I remember something had happened and I was very, very discouraged. I just remember reading that passage and the Lord just seemed to give that to me. And it was sort of this idea of like um, that, that barrenness is not going to be like defining who you are. Right. Um, and it was going to be like, we are going to bless you in your own way. And that just sort of was, I felt like the Lord kind of speaking to me directly through that passage in that very specific circumstance. Yeah. And I, and I think more broadly in terms of our discipleship, I would classify this more broadly as how do we think biblically about having a deep desire not be fulfilled? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And all of us probably have something in our lives in that category. For many people, it's infertility. Yeah. Other people, it's it's the ache of singleness and wanting to be married. Other people, it's kids that are um, not believers mm -hmm. um, or that are wayward. Mm 
Um, for other people, it's, man, I, I just have a career that's going nowhere and I don't know what to do about that. Right. Um, all of us in some degree have to work through why is it that I don't have something that I really want? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what I wrestled with, right? And that's where my brother Matt was able to sort of call me up and and help me refocus. And I think what the Lord taught me through all of that, because I wrestled with that concept of God is not being good to me, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing He's doing it this for all the all my other friends, you know, and it's worked out for everyone else. How come it hasn't worked out for me? And and so you know, I think it was definitely a time where I had to really process that, and I had to come to grips with the fact that I had to choose first of all to believe that his pathway for me was right and that it was good. Yep. Um, but I think what happened through that course of the conversation in my life, as I started to really think that way, I think the Lord opened my eyes um, and he started to point out to me that Naomi, you actually like being by yourself a lot. Mm. Like <laughs> as I talk to other people, I realized that I love being by myself all yeah. the time. I mean, Zach asked me this today, like, do you work from home? And I was like, yes, I love it. I never want to go back to an office. Right. Right. There, there's, I love being at home. I love being by myself. And so I think the Lord started to open my eyes to that, even with my own personality and it's made it a little bit easier to be like, I already had made the choice that I was going to be happy in this state of life, but God sort of was like, yeah, actually you really like this. And through the last couple of years, the Lord's been able to show me that that's been very fulfilling and confirming to me that he does love me, that he does take care of me and that maybe he knows me better than I know myself. Yeah. It's, it's the war of, of belief in trusting that God Mm -hmm. knows what I need um, yeah. even better than myself, mm-hmm. but that is a fight of faith. One of right. the verses that I, I cling to is Romans eight thirty two. Mm. Um, well, starting in verse 31, uh, this is kind of a life verse for me. Romans eight thirty one says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. And then leading into the next verse, all about God's provision. Mm-hmm. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Like that's the ultimate provision. Mm -hmm. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And I don't think Paul means like all things like, Hey, I want a nice car. Hey, I want to raise at work, but all things that he knows that we need. Yes. Um, and not necessarily what we think we need, but that's the war of trust. That's the war of faith, you know? Um, that, that we're all in this together, um, whether it's singleness or, or a different issue. Yeah. And it's interesting because sometimes people would, um, they would, especially like Uh, ladies, when I would talk to them at the church, they'd be like, Oh, don't worry. It'll come. It'll be fine. You know? And I had to finally start telling them, God doesn't promise me that he's going to give me a husband, right? right? That's not something that's necessarily promised. That's not biblical. Yeah. It's not biblical, right? right? And and it's it's a truth that happens for many, many people. Um, but you know, so far it hasn't happened for me. And so that was something that, you know, not I kind of had to like stop and and change that, tweak that little um word of encouragement. They always right. meant it well, but right. you had to sort of put it in its box too. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good segue to another question I wanted to chat with you about. Like what are one or two or three what one or two things that you wish married people knew about single people. Uh, I know one of the things is like, like don't, 
don't say to a single person like, um, well, you know, like, you, you know, you're next or like oh, the, yeah. the classic <laughs> example is like you're at a wedding or something right? and right. you say to the single person, oh, I know you'll be next. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's like, God doesn't <laughs> promise that. Well. I mean it yeah, well. For sure. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, maybe more broadly, like what are one or two things you wish married people knew or how can you help married people walk in your shoes so that they can love you as best as possible in the context of the local church? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting question, mostly because we're all people and we're all different. Right. Um, so I don't know that I have a generalization, but I can speak to what for me personally has been an encouragement. Um, yep. And I think the one thing that I think that sometimes uh, married people just may not actually be able to sort of grasp or understand we throw around the term FOMO all the time, the fear of missing out, right? Yep. And a lot of times we kind of make a joke about it because it's like, you know, yeah, I'm missing out on something really cool. But when you start thinking about singleness, especially long-term singleness, that's really true. Because even if today I were to meet someone and marry them, there are dozens and dozens of experiences that have happened over my last 40 years of my life that no one has experienced with me, right? And so, you know, going on missions trips or being a part of a church, um, you know, there's so many things that I just don't have any, you know, connection with someone on. And so I think that's a, in some ways that for me, particularly, that has been rather difficult to kind of process that. Um, I think the other thing, just as married people have been really kind to me. Um, and I think that as I got older and it was a lot more awkward for me to hang out with the young kids and the young adults and the singles, that got more and more difficult as I went along. And so being able to kind of transition to this adult level of singleness where I'm hanging out with adults who are married and they do have kids. Um, and I have several people, you know, especially in my city group and around church who have just opened their homes, right? And they've allowed me kind of into that level of familial relationships. My parents themselves are just incredible. I have a great relationship with my parents. Um, so I have a lot of really great connections there that have been able to really be good for me. But I think sometimes married people feel like, how do I invite one person over for dinner, right? Or how do I have some one person over for a game, you know, watch a football game? But you start to kind of figure out that it's, you know, how do, how do you make that comfortable? And I think for as a single person, I really valued that, especially when they would reach out because it's not yes. something that I would probably initiate on my own. Yeah. And I love that the Bible defines family, like one of Paul's favorite metaphors for the church is brothers and sisters, like family. Yeah. And um, that's a mindset shift for us that um, I may have a biological family or in our case through adoption, we have a household. Mm -hmm. Um, But biblically speaking, my family really is the church in some ways. And so that's a powerful metaphor that can be an amazing ministry to people that are single. And I think that's something that married people, um, biological or households, um, need to really embrace and, mm-hmm. and to change our minds in yeah. terms of how we think about that. Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, I know you have a very special relationship, um, with the headlands yeah. and, and just talk about that as an example of what we're talking about right now. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Matt and Steffi have been so open with their family and with their lives with me. Um, It's just been amazing. You know, Matt and Steffi kind of originally invited me over for dinner one time and 
um, I don't know. I mean, it's great because we're there for city group all the time. So I get to build relationships with the kids. Um, but, you know, just on so many levels, just being able to have people to talk to and, you know, Steffi, if you ever worked with Steffi, she's such a great counselor. She asks really good questions. Um, and so she's really been able to kind of speak into my life, you know, a lot of truth. And then Matt's been able to just be a leader for me um, spiritually, you know, um, bringing scripture every week. Um, it's just been a, it's just been a really big blessing. And um, they definitely have opened their hearts and their families to me on a regular basis um, and inviting me into activities that they're doing. And I've really enjoyed that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I think oftentimes when we think about hospitality, we think about like, we think about it, I think, I don't know why we do this, but in terms of like this production, meaning like, <laughs> like, like we have, we will prepare a meal right. or we right. will have like some scheduled something in order to allow people into what we're doing if mm -hmm. I'm married and have a family, as opposed to like, sometimes it's cool just to, and I, and I, and I, and I've heard this from other single people and I can imagine being true, like just come over and share Right. the space of our home together. Yeah. Hey, we're going to watch, we're going to watch this game, March Madness, yeah. or we're going to watch yeah. the Packers or we're going to um, play a game or, or we're just having leftovers tonight. Yeah. And you're welcome and to come over. Steffi's done all that. She's right. invited me to all of them. <laughs> or our house is a disaster. We're not cleaning right. up, but you can that's come right. over still, Yeah, you know? And, um, I think that's something that, that, uh, households, um, or biological families need to rethink. Um, and I have one other really practical tidbit. Um, so as a single person, I have my own condo and um, my dad's great at helping me do some stuff around the house. But one time I needed to get some baseboards in and I think two or three of the guys in my city group, you know, got their table saw out and came over one night and like helped cut all my baseboards for my house. And so it was like a very practical thing, but it was, it was great to have yep. somebody to help with that. Yep. Yep. Um, one of the things that I, I heard from one of my single friends in the past, just to help, just to help married people walk in your shoes is the kind of one of the aches of being single is the thought of being prioritized in somebody's mind for his example was like when I go on a trip, like for example, um, when I go to Ecuador, as soon as the wheels of my plane hit the ground in Chicago, right. I'm the first person I'm texting is my wife. Right. Hey right. babe. Hey babe. I just landed. Mm -hmm. Like she's thinking of me. I'm thinking of her. She's right. my priority. Yeah. And he explained it to me like when the plane lands, does anyone know? Does anyone mm -hmm. care? Am I somebody's priority? Mm -hmm. And I think that that really helped me because I never thought of that as like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I can see how that would be an ache. Mm -hmm. Like on my birthday, is anybody prioritizing me? Like my wife is prioritizing me on my birthday. Sure. Right, right. And I think that just helps married people have compassion. Mm -hmm. And I think the church can do a better job of, of like through the context of city groups in our church's model or in other ways, um, just have compassion for single people and seek to address that issue. Yeah. Does that resonate with you as well? It, yeah, it absolutely resonates with you. I'm, I'm a little, I mean, this is where I love being single. So 
if I don't have it, I may not miss it. But I definitely like, yeah, like I, I remember when I was dating, you know, I was super excited when I got those texts. And I do remember feeling like, oh, there's somebody to talk to. There's somebody to tell me what's going on in my life. And maybe it's just because I've been single for so long. I haven't had those kind of relationships. Like it's it's just very difficult. But I can certainly see that, you know, being a very difficult ache. And I think for me, that would be true. Um, yeah, definitely. Let's turn that question or dis- or topic to the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. In your mind, what are some of the advantages or joys of being single? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's been very personal because the Lord's just used my own personality to show me that, sure. hey, this is good for you. You like it. Um, so for me, like I I am an extreme introvert. I'm not shy, but I'm an <sighs> introvert, um, which means that I really love, um, you know, a lot of downtime. I don't like being around people for a long amounts of time. I get really um, tense when I'm talking to lots of people for a long time. Yeah. So it's, you know, I definitely need that time away. And today, like sometimes I think about it as like, if I were to enter a relationship today, I don't know how I would actually process that having somebody around nonstop. Right. I would have to really be easing into that because my life right now is so used to not having anyone around right. um, for any significant amount of time. But I think the Lord has given me a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment. I grew up you know, reading a lot as a kid. Um, so I was always in the book world. Um, and then I don't do as much reading now, but you know, I still enjoy like watching movies or things like that. So I tend to like very introverted hobbies, um, which can be relaxing for me. Um, I'm not a huge party person that needs lots of people to talk to. Um, so I think that's been one of the joys for me. Um, on a really practical side, not having to like I can pick whatever I want to eat for dinner. I can do laundry whenever I feel like it. If I don't want to clean my house right now, I don't have to clean my house. Like there are a ton of advantages to being single. Um, And a lot of people talk about travel. Obviously there's a lot of flexibility with travel. Um, There's a lot of flexibility with relationships um, and ministry opportunities. You know, I find myself able to do more different things with ministry. I wouldn't say it's more, but it's different. Right. And the Lord's given me a couple of ministry opportunities that I think are unique to my skill set, which I enjoy. And, um, um, you know, they fit my introverted lifestyle. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And, and I think biblically speaking, um, Paul said in first Corinthians, like there's a, there's advantage from, you know, just ministry wise to being single. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. because if you're married, your affections are less mm-hmm. focused on the Lord and not that that's a bad thing. Obviously the Bible teaches that marriage is created by God and it's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of a both and biblically of yeah. marriage is a really good thing, but mm-hmm. also Paul says like, if you're not married, that's also a really good thing so that you can be, your life can be more focused on the glory of God through how you spend your time. Um, and so that, that's a, that's a nuance that we need to think through, but mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. And we, we diminish, I think sometimes, uh, the goodness of singleness in our culture, but it's the Bible right. assumes it that right. there, there's, a, and, we, and we don't preach a lot of sermons on that, mm-hmm. like the goodness of being single that the Bible really assumes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was single. Paul was single, That's right. you know, and, and so I think that deserves more reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, like almost oftentimes we just think like, Oh, she, the poor Naomi, she's single where it, it might be. Wow what an opportunity that Naomi has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, and I, and that connects to the next question I want to talk about. 
and this might be too personal or whatever, and we can edit things out if we need to, but along with that, the, the, our culture assumes that having sex is one of the ways or is sometimes the way that you express that you are fully human. Like if you cannot have sex in the way you want to have sex, you are less than human. Right. Um, the classic cultural example of this is the the movie The Forty Year Old Virgin. Um, I mean, that came out like fifteen years ago, but that's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's definitely not like a celebration of celibacy or a celebration of a sexless life. Yeah. But this guy's a dork, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Like if you're not having sex, you are less than human or your your life is going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to think about that a lot um, in terms of our identity and what it means to have a truly fulfilled life as, um, or what does the Bible say about being fully human? Is that something that you have thought through or feel or have thoughts about? Um, I, I could talk, I could try a couple things. I don't yeah. know if it's going to work, but um, I, you know, one of the interesting comments people have said to me over the ages is like, you know, it's okay. You're still single and you're really old. Cause um, you know, cause everybody, nobody's getting married or young today. That's true. Except that most of them are living together. Right. And so the fact that they are not literally putting a ring on their finger and signing a document, that is still a very different experience than, you know, what Christian believers who are single are trying to pursue. Um, And so I think that, you know, that becomes a very interesting split between being a Christian who's single and trying to follow scripture, um, biblical principles, and someone who would, you know, be an unbeliever potentially and still be single in their 30s or 40s. Um, and so I think that is an interesting challenge. Um, for me personally, I, you know, I don't, no one's ever made fun of me, like in the outside world. I mean, maybe they don't know. I don't know. I've never felt like I've gotten made fun of. Um, and I don't know for me exactly, like some of it is, you don't know what you're missing. Like, I don't actually know what I'm missing. Right. Like I can see things on TV. I can read things in books. I can hear about it from friends, but the reality is I I don't have any context for that. And so I think that, um, you know, in some ways, if you, you know, if you read song of Solomon, they said, don't wake up love until it's, it's time. Right. And so there is sort of that principle of that. And I, you know, I think I grew up in a, in a family and in a, a Christian culture that was fairly conservative in that way. Sure. And so for me, I think that was very protective and has helped me probably be able to navigate long-term singleness from that aspect a little bit easier, maybe than some other people would have. Um, you know, I've certainly learned through things through the years. I'm not perfect, um, you know, and I think that that's, you know, you still wrestle with things. Um, but as far as, making it defining who I am. I don't know that not having sex ever affected my version of me as a person. Um, I do think that I was always able to just say, you know, in Christ, I am a child of God, right? Spiritually. And then even just as a human being, I never felt put down or unequal with somebody who had had sex, right? Right. In that sense. 
Right. I don't know if that helps at all, but I guess those are my random thoughts on that. Topic. No, that's really good. And I, I'm really thankful to hear you say that. Um, I, I think one of the things that comes to mind for me is especially as we seek to be a church that supports those and advocates and, and, and walks with those that are struggling with same sex desire mm-hmm. because the culture says, right. um, if you're not having sex in the way that you desire to have sex, uh, you're less than human mm-hmm. or to be human is to have sex as like, you should never squash those desires. Right. And in some ways it might even be immoral mm-hmm. to, to set those desires aside and the Bible just doesn't assume that the Bible doesn't assume that um, what it means to be human is by definition to be able to have sex. Mm-hmm. The Bible never says that in terms of, and so having a, a context or a, a mindset that my identity is defined not by what the culture says about sex, but my identity is defined by what the Bible says about what it means to be human. It's a really big deal. And, um, and if we, in, in some ways, um, elevate married life or the sexual experience in a way that the Bible doesn't, and there's, I think we can do that in the church with different yeah. ways we talk about marriage or talk about sex, um, we can really make it hard for single people and we can really make it hard for people that are struggling with same-sex desire, mm-hmm. that, that, same, that same ache of, like, can right. I, is it even possible to be celibate? Like, right. like, does that even, is that even a category? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like, um, that's a really important issue for people that are single and are heterosexual and mm-hmm. are people that are single and, and have same sex desires that we, that we understand what, what does the Bible say about the, the flourishing of the human experience, mm-hmm. you know, um, and Family is defined by, in some ways, church and not necessarily marriage and kids. Um, and, and we could talk a lot more about that. But I, I just think that's a really big issue in our, in our culture these days because we, are, we, are, we live in a culture that in some ways idolizes sex maybe more than almost anything else. That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, my hobby horse there is is finished. Um, so much we could say about that, but, um, is there anything else, Naomi, that, that you would like to share in terms of your experience, um, as a single person that you could maybe share with someone who's younger, um, and is struggling, like, like someone in their twenties that, that is in, that is uh, experiencing the single life and you want to encourage them a few decades ahead of them. What would you say? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a really good um, question. Um, I, I have a couple of thoughts. I, the one thing I wanted to mention a little bit earlier, and I don't know if it fits exactly here, but w- I think this is applicable to this question. Um, one of the things that's really helped me in my transition from being so focused on, oh no, I'm single to, you know, really trusting God was in a practical way, starting to realize that a married marriage life isn't perfect, right? And it's very challenging and it's very difficult. Um, And I think everyone knows that on paper, we can all say that, but I think what's really opened my eyes to that is, you know, within our city groups and within the local church, having couples that are a little bit willing, I mean, you don't have to get super detailed on things, but being willing to just ask for prayer in their relationships or how they're managing their children and raising their children for God 
like hearing some of those struggles and, and just realizing the, the ache that they have as parents and as spouses, like that kind of puts my whole life into perspective, right? Again, it's sort of getting my focus off of myself and starting to see and understand, okay, yes, this might be the path of the, the Lord chose for you, but another pathway might be for someone else, right? And yes. so I think that that has really helped me. And I would say to young people who are, you know, in the midst of singleness, we tell people this all the time, you know, can you get your eyes off yourself? Um, because we do end up getting so, you know, focused on ourselves that we can't see the needs of those around us. And we get very sorry, selfish in our own pain and our own suffering. Yes. yes. Um, so that's one element. I just think that over time, the Lord's been gracious and opened my eyes with that. Um, I think as, a, as somebody in their 20s or 30s, I mean, obviously, statistically speaking, most people will be married. So generally speaking, it is mostly a weight kind of thing. Um, but in scripture, you have two core principles. You have weight and you have, you know, weight in faith. And then you have walk by faith. Yeah. And I think as a single person, especially in my 20s and 30s, when I was sort of in that age where I could, quote unquote, be doing things or not doing things. It was always like, is this a moment where I should wait? Is this a moment where I walk? Um, and if you know anything about me personally, like I lead in a lot of situations. You put me in an environment at work. I take charge of meetings. I run conversations all the time. Yep. You put me in a social situation with a, within a, in a guy social situation. I rarely do that. Like I go completely the other direction. I don't lead. Sure. Um, and so I think that for me, it was all, and I wasn't good at flirting. At least I don't think I ever was <laughs> like, sure. I never knew sort of how to like show a guy I was interested. Um, yeah. In, in a way that a lot of women, I think, do know how to do. And I never figured that out, I don't think. Um, and so I feel like for me, it was always, I kind of was always wrestling in faith as to, is this a moment I say something? Do I go up to a guy and say something to him? Do I send him an email? Do I send him a text? Or do I just wait, right? Yeah. And it was constantly sort of this this pathway of, of walking and waiting back and forth. Um, and I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer, but I think that's a very... Um, normal struggle when you're kind of in that period where there's a high likelihood you will meet someone, right? And and sort of how do you respond and how do you interact? And, um, you know, I feel like now I'm kind of past most of that. Like I don't really have that happening anymore. So it's a completely different world. But, um, you know, I think that was something to kind of to go through. And I guess along with that, I will, my personal advice to a lot of guys who are serious about, you know, getting married, if they're really at the point where they want to move forward, I really think they should continue to kind of make those steps. I would really appreciate that as a woman. Um, you know, obviously I haven't always, um, you know, pursued a relationship all the way with different men who have been interested in me, but I really value and appreciate the fact that guys have initiated things and they've reached out. Sure. Um, one of the big aches of singleness was when an unsaved guy would like ask for my number or would, you know, flirt with me. That was very, very difficult because yeah. I would come back and I knew all these Christian guys and they never made a move at all. Right. Um, and so that was very, very discouraging. And I have friends who are single. They've never once had a guy ask them out. Not one time. Sure. And that is in itself a very, very difficult pain to kind of, um, you know, deal with. And yeah. so I think the Christian men, I, I love it when Christian men ask women out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, a wise move. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot to chew on there. Um, and I really appreciate your honesty, Naomi. And um, yeah, anything else you want to share or thoughts about um, singleness that, that we could share with uh, the Vine Church? Um, I would just say that I come from a long history of women who have been single in our lives, in my family's lives. And it would be remiss not to give them a huge shout out. We had one of the ladies actually um, pass away a couple months ago. Um, but this particular single lady, we used to drive an hour to church as we were kids. And at the end of every service, she would make us like a meal to take home in our car as we drove home. And so the single lady bought us a meal basically every week. And she just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, and she was single to the day she died. But that lady was so faithful. And there were probably, I wrote a list out, there's four or five other ladies that that were in our life, in my life growing up and in my family's life that were um, older singles, right? And they really invested in us. Um, One lady had us over for lunch every Sunday. Um, I mean, just incredible amounts of sacrifice these ladies um, did for me personally and for my family. And so they have been such a huge testimony to me, um, you know, and something of a hero as I've, you know, continued to be single through my life. Awesome. That's so great. That's so great. Well, I just want to share with you, Naomi, that you have been a blessing at, at our church. Um, I just really appreciate uh, your faithfulness and how you've thought about this issue, um, suffered, and I think suffered well uh, in this, and also um, rejoiced in in what God has provided for you in the midst of, of singleness, and you can be a model and example for a lot of us. So, be encouraged. And um, we're so thankful that this conversation, I think, is going to help a lot of people. And that's uh, just an evidence of grace for your singleness, you know, that you can be a blessing to others uh, and encourage them based on what you've you've worked through and, and who you are. And I think you have used your singleness uh, to the glory of God. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for this conversation, Naomi. And um, if uh, if people want to reach out to you to process this more, uh, sure. could they just reach out on Slack? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, we will um, we will be in touch sooner than later. I'm sure. Sounds good. Thank you.